It was like having a whole different relationship with the book that I'd written, having to actually read it out loud as if I was talking to someone else. To be in this booth, reading through these words that I compiled over the course of three years, it was very emotional. Not everyone can access business school or a live coach. This audiobook offers me that opportunity to share the energy and joy I get with an audience. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet Acorn's CEO, Jennifer Barrett, Bulletin co-founder, Allie Kriegsman, and career consultant, Steve Dalton. Whether your goal is financial independence, closing on a job interview, or starting your own business or empire from scratch, you'll want to hear from these career pros turned authors. Plus, find out what it was like for them to get behind the mic in the audiobook studio. Enjoy. Hi, this is Jennifer Barrett, author of Think Like a Breadwinner. This book was inspired by my own wake-up call and the journey that followed. It began when I asked myself, if I'd been brought up to believe I'd be fully financially responsible for myself for life, and maybe for a family too, how would it change the choices I make with my money and my career? The answer to that would shift the entire trajectory of my life. And as I began to interview other women, I spoke to over a hundred of them for the book of various ages, ethnicities, backgrounds, and places. I noticed that there was a clear distinction between those who'd either been raised to think like a breadwinner or had had a childhood experience that prompted them to conclude that they had to be prepared to take care of themselves for life, and those who didn't. Those who had a breadwinner mindset were much more successful financially, even professionally, But those who didn't expect to be breadwinners far outnumbered those who did, even though more women than ever before are becoming the main providers for their households. As I did more research, I began to see how these underlying assumptions and beliefs that we have drive so many of our money and career choices, often unconsciously, and they help explain why women overall still lag behind men financially by almost every measure. That's what ultimately drove me to write the book. I wanted to close that gender gap and give every woman the chance to have the life and the future that she wants without having to depend on someone else for it. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be immersive. It was like having a whole different relationship with the book that I'd written, having to actually read it out loud as if I was talking to someone else, and it felt really intimate. I got to know what I had written in just a much deeper way and feel really connected with it. And of course, the uh, editor in me <laughs> was thinking sometimes, mm, I should have tightened that up or <laughs> you know, wanted to change things because I guess as writers, we always, when we read our own work, you know, have a habit of wanting to edit ourselves again or make it even better. But overall, it was such an amazing experience and it was really enjoyable to be able to read through it again. I realized I had trouble pronouncing a lot of the names (laughs) that were in the book, Uh, which is so funny because when you write them out, you don't even think about that. But as soon as you get to a point when you're reading out loud, you realize that a lot of people have names that can be pronounced in a lot of ways I never imagined. 
I'm excited that listeners will get to hear the book from my own voice. So it almost feels like, I hope, like I'm talking to you and I'm sharing my own story. I mean, really sharing my own story with you as if you're a friend and we're hanging out and having coffee and, and that you feel closer to the book and that the material in it resonates with you. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I am not sure who I would cast. <laughs> I actually jumped at the chance to record it because the story is so personal to me and it felt kind of weird to me to have somebody else telling my story. But I'm a big fan of my director, Stacy, who has an amazing voice. So if someone had to step in, <laughs> I knew she would be a fantastic stand-in for me. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was, hmm, it has been a little while, but I have to say I am just downloading The Myth of the Nice Girl, Achieving a Career You Love Without Becoming a Person You Hate by Fran Hauser, who has become a friend, and so many people have recommended this book, so I wanted to listen to it myself. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is probably when I'm taking a walk, walking around the park. I usually listen to audiobooks or podcasts, or I try to catch up with friends while I'm walking. Always multitasking. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. I'd always imagined that we'd be in a home of our own when we started a family, not renting a one-bedroom apartment and wondering if we'd be able to afford another child. But even with two paychecks coming in, we seemed to be making slow progress financially, and our expenses were growing. Now we had to pay for childcare, diapers, bottles, and an ever-changing assortment of toys and clothes. We'd have to buy a toddler bed soon. And the rent for our apartment had just gone up. Here I was in my 30s, an independent-minded woman with a successful career and a steady paycheck. How had I gotten to the point where some of the things that mattered most to me were now at stake? Hi, this is Ali Kriegsman, author of How to Build a Goddamn Empire, advice on creating your brand with high-tech smarts, elbow grease, infinite hustle, and a whole lot of heart. I wrote my book because, as a first-time, very young founder who was super inexperienced and new to Silicon Valley— I felt very lonely. I felt like I was screwing up all the time, and I didn't know if those feelings were normal. I would see household name founders working out of these beautiful co-working spaces, getting these magazine covers and these incredible press pieces, and from afar, it seemed like they had everything figured out, and so therefore, something must be wrong with me because... I felt like I was on a roller coaster where I was constantly making mistakes, constantly learning tough new lessons, and had nothing figured out. I felt like I was waking up every single day and dealing with a new crisis or a new emergency. And the other business books on the market that I read when I started my entrepreneurial journey similarly had that vibe of like, I figured this all out. I'm a mastermind. You know, a lot of them were written by men and they were written, you know, years after or decades after the company had reached some major milestone or had sold or been acquired. And a lot of the ones written by women, I didn't think were as vulnerable 
as I wanted to hear or read in a book that I thought could help me get through my journey. So I wanted to write a book that felt like a great companion emotionally, psychologically, and tactically to an early stage entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur that was literally starting from ground zero. If the entrepreneur didn't have a co-founder or a support system, I wanted to be that voice that they could pick up and read or listen to and know that everything's normal and everything's going to be okay. I wanted to write a book about entrepreneurship from the trenches. I was inspired by all of the very candid phone and like Instagram DM conversations I was having with female founders through the past three years. I would see a lot of these founders like posting press pieces that they had an exciting new product launch coming up. And in our DMs or our text messages or in the interviews or in our private phone calls, they would be so much more candid about the lows, their anxious episodes, their mistakes, their failures, and their depressive episodes. And I wanted a way to surface those. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be emotional. I wrote this book over the course of three years through running my business full time. And it was this thing that I was writing in like the wee hours of the night and on the weekends. And I was always trying to squirrel away to get this book together and put my thoughts to paper. And to be in this booth reading through these words that I compiled over the course of three years, it was very surreal. It was very emotional. And I just feel so grateful and fortunate to have had this opportunity. And I'm very proud of myself that I was able to get this out the door despite the obvious demands of my normal day job building a business. I realized I had trouble pronouncing certain people's names. A lot of people I know very well and words that I've seen written down but never had to say out loud. I was very proud that I was able to really show my conviction and my passion in chapter 11, which is called Hard Decisions. I've kind of been stewing on a lot of how I feel about the way female founders are treated in the press, the standard that they're held to by their investors and their employees, and how that compares to the same things for male founders. Also, what the tech press is like patently avoiding by putting the spotlight on these female founders and their shortcomings. I have been thinking about those, you know, very nuanced issues and that reality for months and months now. And it was really exciting to be able to almost read that chapter like it was an argument I was trying to make or like a speech I was trying to give. I think that surprised me. I didn't necessarily know that I'd be overcome with that level of conviction and that type of commitment when getting to that chapter, but it just felt really organic and I think it came from the fact that I've been silently stewing and thinking about a lot of those issues for a very long time. I love Cardi B. I love the way that she communicates. I love her inflections. I love her commitment. I love the personality and passion and spunk and energy in her voice. And I think that a lot of the moments of the book where it's really pushing people to challenge themselves, pushing them to take themselves seriously, 
realize how great they are, how fabulous they are, how amazing they are for just working on this and being on this entrepreneurial journey, I can totally hear her like hyping up those phrases and and saying those parts really well. So yeah, I definitely would have loved for Cardi B to get in here to share that motivational content. I love reading and listening to audiobooks on the subway while I'm kind of passively people watching in my peripheral vision. I love listening to audiobooks in the bath. I just moved into a new apartment during COVID last year, which was crazy, but I finally have a bath and <laughs> it's been really nice. I like bought a speaker on Amazon and I plug in all my favorite audiobooks and I love relaxing with a great audiobook in the bath. It's the best. And I love reading in bed. I love waking up early and giving myself that me time. Work is crazy. I'm working like 10, 11 hour days. So the morning is the only time I have to carve out, you know, a few little moments for myself. So I have like a massive stack of books next to my bed. And depending on my mood, I, I rotate through different ones and sit and read one before I start my day. And now, hear Allie Kriegsman read a clip from her audiobook. When graduation reared its head, I did what every type A freakazoid overachiever kid does. OCR, which stands for on-campus recruiting. Despite my math and Excel anxiety, I applied to endless consulting, banking, and finance jobs. I just wanted money, a stable income, financial security for the first time in a long time. I thought zero about my own strengths, skills, and pleasures, but I studied really hard and begged my Wharton friends to train me, insert a Rocky-style montage here. By the end of the first semester, I landed a job, which I would start after graduating. It was in asset management, which meant a $60,000 salary, benefits, and the envy of my employment-thirsty peers. Hi, this is Steve Dalton, author of The Job Closer. I wrote my book because I got tired of letting my readers down. After the two-hour job search, readers really liked that process and wanted more answers. They wanted to know about resumes and cover letters and interviewing. I didn't have time to answer all those questions, even though I had frameworks that I could share with them that I knew would help. Writing The Job Closer allowed me to bring those frameworks to the readers of the two-hour job search and others as well. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be exhilarating. Terrifying, but exhilarating, more than anything else. I've lived with these ideas for the better part of a decade, so to get the chance to finally commit them to page and let people who can't afford business school but can afford a library card the chance to access them, it really is an honor to get to do this. I realized I had trouble pronouncing many words, but the two that stick out are my initial preference for codify rather than codify, and esoteric rather than esoteric. I'm feeling much better now. I'm excited that listeners will have the opportunity to hear me present this information as I present it to my students in class. Not everyone can access business school or a live coach for their career searches. This audiobook offers me that opportunity to share the energy and joy I get when sharing this content with an audience and bring that to the broader world. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Paul Rudd. 
We are both ageless, charming, handsome fellows, and I've always admired the enthusiasm he brings to every project that he touches. I have boundless energy for this content, and I'm delighted to get to share this with you. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Ron Chernow's Grant. I was also a big fan of Hamilton, but something about Grant, our former president and Civil War leader, really resonated with me because he was an underdog. And the two-hour job search itself was an underdog story. I feel like anyone willing to take a chance on frameworks for their job search rather than just tips is themselves taking the underdog role. So I really resonated with that story. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is while I'm on a run. I hate running. It is literally the worst. But I hate it so much less when I can get distracted from it. And getting in deep into a good audiobook is one of the best ways to do that. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Prepare to be taken aback. My students and Career Center colleagues at Duke's Fuqua School of Business know to expect this from me by now, but others may find my approaches jarring. I happen to think that there's a best way to do everything in the job search. Not a general best way, but a specific best way. A recipe, in other words, that different people can follow to create similarly tasty results. This is a surprisingly uncommon perspective in the job search world. For example, think back to the last job search article you read. Did it give you actual instructions to follow, or did it suggest general tips that you'd have to convert into a plan of action yourself? I see way too much of the latter, and basically none of the former. Tips are job search junk food, satisfying in the moment, but lacking any real nutrition. Repackaging conventional wisdom you've heard before into a slightly different format, making it seem new, but adding no real value. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash nextlisten.